book of Jude. Turn over, if you will, to some very familiar scriptures. Uh, Look over to verse number 21, and when you're there, let's stand together. Stretch your legs just a little bit. Great spirit this morning. Thankful to see folks that God is bringing to our church and by way of visitors. You be sure to make people feel welcome. Uh, That's one of the hallmarks of our church, not only of our church, uh, but of the people of God in general, right? Jude uh, chapter number one, if you want to call it that, look down, if you will, to verse number 21. The Bible says, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Verse 22 and 23 are very familiar passages, full of wonderful scriptural truth, and of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Let's stop there and pray. Father, thank you again for the privilege to come to your house twice in one day. Uh, What a wonderful joy it is to gather together with your people in your house around your word, singing praises to your name. And I thank you for the wonderful spirit that our people have. I pray, Father, that you bless your word tonight as it goes out. Lord, we know, Lord, it's not your will and it won't return void. And I pray, Father, we'll allow it to work and to do the work you've sent it to tonight. Thank you for this simple message. I pray we'd receive it. I pray we'd respond to it and be changed by it in Jesus name. Amen. You may be seated. I mentioned to you this morning we spent uh, uh, Thursday and Friday down in Pensacola, Florida at the uh, uh, Eagles Invitational down there and uh, just what a wonderful job our young ladies did. It was so exciting and uh, as a dad uh, and now that I'm a volleyball dad, I'm proud to be able to say that, uh, Brother John, I never thought volleyball could be so exciting. Uh, I mean, several of the dads that were there, we were pacing the floor, literally. I have never been to a football game that was that intense watching these young ladies play volleyball. Uh, it was wonderful. It was exciting. Our girls did such a, a great job. And there were teams from all over the country. I mean, from uh, North Carolina. There were teams from Ohio, teams from Florida. And thank the Lord, we got invited to go there. Brother John had our girls ready, uh, and they got out there, and they put on a show. Uh, sometimes it was a little too close of a show, to be honest with you. Blood pressures were through the roof. We were all having to take medications because our girls were just doing so well, but they were playing some pretty stiff competition. And I've never seen uh, high school volleyball played on such a level before. Some of these teams were were collegiate level, and our girls competed with them, did a spectacular job. And uh, as we watched them, it was just amazing to watch the schemes. Brother John was doing the same thing with our girls. Uh, We had girls rotating in and out, uh, girls that would start out on the bench, and they would come in and play, and when they needed to serve, they'd bring one person in to serve. When they needed somebody up front, they'd bring in somebody else for that, and it was this wonderful chess match between us and the other teams that were there uh, as we put people in and pull people out uh, trying to win the games, and our, our girls, as I told you this morning, did such a great job finishing up in the final four uh, and holding everybody to a close run. Uh, I, think, uh, I think, Lord willing, we get invited next time. Our girls are probably going to come home with some hardware. I'm kind of... Uh, maybe a little bit relieved that we ended up fourth and not third because I told them if they came home with one of the big three trophies, I'd take them all to Disney World. And uh, so the Lord may have uh, been looking out for me there, girls. I apologize for that. Uh, But uh, let's just go ahead and make a deal. If our girls go down to that tournament and play those teams, we're going to find a way to send them to Disney World at least for one day, okay? And uh, we'll try to take care of that. But it was amazing as we watched them. 
All the schemes and the, the subbing and the substitutions, folks coming in off the bench, they were all working together. They were all doing different jobs, but they all had the same purpose out there on the floor. Every person who came off the bench or started and went to the bench, the whole purpose for which they were out there on that court was to do what the Bible says in verse number 22. Look at the end of verse number 22. The Bible says, and of some have compassion, making a difference. Every girl that was out there playing was out there for one purpose, that was to win the game, and when they went into the game to play, they were there for one purpose, and that was to make a difference. And as I watched our young ladies go out there and play, and the young ladies from other teams, I mean, they were subbing in back and forth, getting people up at the net, getting people who could block, getting people who could serve, but they were all there for one purpose, making a difference. And I thought about the church in general, and I thought about the purpose for which our Father has left us here. Do you know tonight there's not one of us who have been placed in this great contest of eternity that all of us are participants in tonight that is not here to do the very same thing they were there to do, and that is to make a difference. Every one of us has been left here and empowered by Almighty God to make a difference in this world in the time that God has given us. Now, folks, the game they were playing was important. Uh, I mean, look, we were rooting for them. We wanted them to come home with something. Uh, Kirky, I think, came home. It was an all-tournament. Uh, she got a nice medal, did such a great job out there. And that was fun, but understand this. The great contest that we are all involved in as the people of God, listen, it's eternal. It has eternal ramifications. And whether or not we do our job and whether or not we fulfill the will of God in making a difference is going to mean the eternity for others for which God has called us to. Now, folks, this is something we've got to take very, very seriously tonight. The Apostle Paul said, 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, matter of fact, I won't turn there for the sake of time. He says, we all have different duties, don't we? We're members of one body, and we have one goal, uh, as LSU used to say when they were winning, one team and one heartbeat. All of us have that same mindset as the people of God. We have one goal, and that's to make a difference in the world God has left us here to do. Now, here's the sad part tonight. Too many of us are just sad or are satisfied with being on the team, all right? We're just happy to be on the team. But God doesn't have anybody on his team tonight that is not responsible and required to make a difference in the world that God's called us to. This is why the Apostle Paul, I love this passage of Scripture, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 26. The Apostle Paul says, I run not as uncertainly. Paul says, I'm in a race and I'm not running uncertainly, which means Paul says, I'm going somewhere. I have a job to do. I have a race to run. I have a goal to attain. What was he saying? I'm not just here to be on the team. I am here to make a difference. He goes on to say in that passage in verse 26, so fight I not as one that beateth the air. You know, shadow boxing? Somebody's just sitting around. Have you ever done that? You know, maybe when my back's turned, you're doing like that, you know? Man, I'm like, knock that guy upside the head. All right, but you're really not gonna knock that guy upside. You're just shadow boxing a little bit. Paul says, I'm in a fight, and I'm not in a fight to just beat the air. Here's what Paul's saying. When I get into that spiritual ring, I'm there to make a difference. Paul says, when I go into that ring and the devil's on the other side, or it's the flesh on the other side that he's trying to bring into subjection, Paul says, I'm not fighting as one that's beating the air. Do you know what he's saying? Paul says, I'm going to land some punches. 
Paul says, I have been placed into this ring, into this contest to make a difference. And Paul says, you better believe I'm going to land some blows. Now, here's the sad thing. Too many of us tonight are idle in that spiritual ring. All right? We're letting a lot of folks, a few folks do a lot of the work, and too many people believe that the spiritual contest we're in is a spectator sport. It's not. Can I tell you what we're here to do? We're here to do what verse 22 says. And of some, have compassion. What does it say? Make a difference. Make a difference. You know, those young ladies who went in, Brother John would sub them in. They'd blow the whistle. Man, we were subbing. Those, that guy near about the entire time was just doing this. But we're subbing people in. It was a chess match. But every person that went in went in to make a difference. Now, folks, that's why we're here. God left us here to make a difference. Now, I don't know about you. I want to take advantage of every moment that God's given me while I'm here to redeem the time and to make a difference in this world. Would we all agree the world needs to be different? I think that's something probably 100% of those of us here tonight would agree on. And getting Baptists to agree 100% on anything is tough. But we'd all agree the world needs to be different And God says, wonderful, I'm glad you agree with me. I left you here to make a difference. Now, understand this. God didn't leave us here to make attempts. God left us here to make a difference. And as we wind down this year, I mean, it's winding down quick. It's October. It'll be November. It'll be December. Next thing you know, our renewal theme will be gone. As we wind down this year, get in the home stretch of our theme of renewal, I want to give you a very simple thought tonight on renewing our desire to make a difference. Renewing our desire to make a difference. Now, I don't know about you. I remember when I first got saved, I wanted everybody to have what I had. Do you remember that? I mean, that was probably the closest to the Lord I've ever been in my life. I wanted everybody to be saved, and if they wouldn't get saved, uh, then, man, you just load me up in the car with you, and you take me over there, and I, and I want to talk to them myself. Uh, my mom and dad, remember, uh, Homer, I've told you the story many times, man is dying of cancer, and he wouldn't get saved, and, man, he wasn't long leaving this earth, and uh, we loaded up, go over and visit Homer. Dad would take me over, we'd go see Homer, and dad would witness to him, and I would witness to him. I wanted him to have what I had. What did I want to do? I wanted to make a difference. But over time, we get lackadaisical, and we get content. And we get stagnant. And we forget that God has left us here to make a difference. Now, how do we renew our desire? Well, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about this morning. Like uh, obedience, we've got to understand tonight, we have a responsibility in that, okay? You can't just ask God to give you a new desire. You have a part to play in that. So tonight, we're going to walk down our three themes we've been looking at this year on the subject of renewing our desire. And the first thing is this. Making a difference is our calling, Making a difference is our calling. Now, I want you to think about, let's start over in Genesis and go all the way through the New Testament. Think about people that God called. Uh, Think about Noah. Noah was one of the most easy ones to pick out in the book of Genesis. Why did God call Noah? Did God call Noah to go make an attempt? No. God called Noah to go make a difference. Go all throughout Scripture each time God, was it Moses or Abraham or Esther or Nehemiah? Go all throughout the Old Testament. Go into the New Testament, the disciples. What did God call the disciples for? The same thing he called us for. He called them to make a difference. Go all the way to the Apostle Paul. He understood that his purpose for being here on earth was the fact that God had called him to make a difference. Now, understand this, folks. 
God's not calling us to go out there and to make an attempt so we can say we tried. No, God has called us to live in this life and to live in this world and to make a difference amongst those for which he's called us to live among. Now, folks, I'm glad somebody came to me. I'm glad that God sent people in my life, in my neck of the woods, who were an influence on my life and made a difference on my life, else I may not be standing here tonight. There's many of you that are sitting under the sound of my voice tonight that are here because somebody answered the call to make a difference. Isn't it wonderful? Aren't you glad somebody knocked on your door? Aren't you glad somebody invited you to church? Look, you may have already been saved. Aren't you glad somebody invited you to Central? Now look, the last two and a half years, you may not be glad somebody invited you to Central, but there was a time you were excited about being here. Why? What a wonderful church it is to be here, to hear the wonderful music, to have the wonderful fellowship. Why? Somebody took the opportunity to make a difference. Now let me spell it out for you in the book of Acts, chapter number one, verse number eight. You're fixing to hear the calling to make a difference. Jesus says, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. Do you know what a witness is? It's a difference maker. It's a difference maker. You know, say one of you accused me of murder. You say, he shot my dog because it barked all night. Yeah, it's still happening. I was praying while I was away at Disney World that something would happen, but in prayer life is just not what it ought to be, I guess. And all of a sudden, my neighbor's dog comes up dead. They said, yep, that's the guy that shot him. We have it on video. He said he wanted him dead. It's at 9 o'clock, you drove by, and you shot my dog, and all of a sudden, I, I don't have any defense. All I say is I wasn't there. And then here you come along and say, no, I saw Brother Jeremiah over at Krispy Kreme at 9 o'clock. No doubt he was there. And all of a sudden, you, as an eyewitness, confess to the judge your testimony that I was not there, and all of a sudden, I get off scot-free, and the dog's dead, and we all win. Amen? And I had donuts to boot. Now watch this. What did the witness do? The witness made a difference. Thank God for the witnesses. Now what did Jesus say? Acts chapter 1. The Bible says, ye shall be witnesses. He didn't say ye try to be witnesses, did he? He didn't say, hey, go do the best you can. No. He said, ye shall be witnesses. What does that mean? That means, look, a difference maker is who we are called to be. Now you think about this. The job you have the neighborhood you live in, your co-workers, your family members. These are people that God has called you to make a difference in. Kind of makes you feel special, doesn't it? You go on and read the rest of that verse. It says, you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria. I love watching those ripples go out. Do you know every one of us has a Jerusalem? You know what Jerusalem is? That's your home base. That's that close sphere of influence that you already have. Do you know there's people inside your sphere of influence already who know you and who trust you and would listen to you if you just decided you were going to be a difference maker in their life? Can I tell you what's sad? What's sad is we watch people suffer. We know they're going through a tough time. Maybe they're struggling with drugs. Maybe they're struggling with depression. Maybe they're struggling with alcohol. Maybe their marriage is struggling. And we know it. And we know it. And the sad thing is we don't do what we're called to do. We're supposed to be difference makers. By the way, if you were struggling with something, which, by the way, all of us do, wouldn't you love it if somebody would make a difference in your life 
I have in my Bible a little note. It's on a Cheshire Cat post-it in the undeniable handwriting of my daughter. Apologize, bud. I gave her that. Got to work on that. And it says, love you, dad. I have another one in here. I use it as a bookmark this morning. There's a reason I keep it in my Bible. It says, love you, daddy. Hope you feel better soon. She left that on my bed when I had COVID. And that was rough. That was rough. Well, you didn't know how things were going to turn out. Your wife is sick and all of that. And lo and behold, my daughter decided to be a difference maker. She knew I was sick. She knew dad wasn't doing well. She knew we were going through a trial. Had no idea in her bad handwriting that she was going to leave a note that made a difference in her dad's day. Now, folks, there's people going through things that are worse than COVID. There are people living in this life right now, going through all that we're going through without Christ. It's tough with Christ. I know Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior, and he walks with me through this valley. And oh, I have squeezed his hand tight the last couple of years. It's been difficult. I, I couldn't have made it without him, but there are people out there, and they are struggling. And you know what they need? They just need somebody to answer the call to make a difference. Right there in your sphere, in your Jerusalem, your neighborhood. Look, hey, when you go out, do you, you trick-or-treating this year? Look, it's sad that we'll go door-to-door for free candy. We won't go door-to-door to give somebody Jesus. Now, we ought to make a trade, all right? If you go door-to-door this year, when they give you candy, you give them a gospel track. I mean, hey, that's a great trade. They give you a Snickers, you give them a Savior. Hey, what a trade, Why? That's what we're called to do. But we get so distracted and we say, you know what? I made an attempt. No, we're not called to make an attempt. We're called to make a difference. That's why he left us here. He said, ye shall receive power and ye shall be witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, and the uttermost parts of the earth. What a wonderful principle is that of missions. In March, we have our missions conference every year. We send missionaries all over the world. We have some right out of our own church. What a privilege that is. And we have the opportunity to make a difference in Africa without ever having to go to Africa. That's why you ought to be excited about writing your missions check. My wife and I have always bumped up our missions every year. Why? What a privilege it is to make a difference. There's somebody sitting in a mud hut in the middle of Africa who's never heard a clear presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ like I get to every day in America, and I want to make a difference in their life. But how do we renew our desire? Number one, making a difference is our calling. When we were at Disney, we we meet a lot of people. We were crammed in the courtyard there in front of the castle with 40 thousand other people it was a joyful mob you know you just got all these people singing disney songs together it was just a wonderful time and you know we're spreading all kind of germs i'm sure uh, while we were there and we're standing there and we, we just would meet people and start talking to people and we met several families that we just spent some time with in the park we never met them before different from different states and uh, several of the families while you're talking with them you just enjoyed having that camaraderie of being Disney weirdos, you know, like you think I am, I'm sure. But hey, it works. And we would go to Disney and we're talking about, yeah, yeah, I know what that is. Don't you love us a small world? Look, there's something wrong with you if you like a small world. We like riding us a small world. It just sticks in your head, that song forever. And boy, it was just sweet fellowship 
of Disney World. But even while we were there, let's talk to this family. Also, begin wondering, where are they going when they die? You know, they have a soul. And it's going either up or it's going down. There is no in-between. And so you're sitting in Disney World and you're thinking to yourself, nobody wants to talk about Jesus in Disney World, all right? They didn't come on vacation to get preached to. They're sitting there and, boy, I'm thinking to myself, man, I've sure enjoyed getting to know these people. And, man, we've had some fun talking, but i got to get around to asking them a question. Boy, my heart's beating out of my chest. I sure never do that. Your heart's beating out of your chest because you don't need to talk to them about the Lord. And, and so we entered into it, started talking. Oh, I met some very, very nice Jewish people that were there. Got to share Christ with them. Why? Because even on vacation, I'm called to make a difference. By the way, that's not just for preachers. For some reason, Christians, we think when we go on vacation, we're on vacation from our beliefs, but we're not. Our calling remains the same. I saw something the other day on Facebook. And uh, there's not a whole lot of good on Facebook, but I did see something the other day. It says, be the reason somebody smiles today. Well, that's why I started wearing glasses. Makes people smile, makes people laugh. No, not really. Is it be the reason somebody smiles today? You know what that was all about? Make a difference in somebody's life. Too often, we're the people who make somebody frown today. Too often, we're the reason somebody gets mad today. You know what? You ought to go out tomorrow and say, I'm going to be the reason somebody's going to heaven today. I'm going to do my best by the grace of God. Now, I can't save them, and I'm not going to force it upon them, but I'm going to do my best to be soul conscious of the people that are about me and look for somebody that needs a difference made in their life. I hate to tell you this. You're not going to have to look very far. They're everywhere. So number one, making a difference is our calling. What is our pattern? Our pattern is Jesus. Luke chapter number four, let me read this for you, and I'll give you the second thing. Luke chapter number four, Jesus says in verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Do you know what Jesus is saying his calling is? To make a difference. We have the most wonderful pattern in the world to how to make a difference in somebody's life, and it's Christ himself. He said to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Hattiesburg's full of them. We're going to have difference makers who are willing to go. I'm so thankful for our new ministry, the RU ministry, and all those who work faithfully in that, and it's building, and it's growing, and it's getting up speed, and the ministry's only going to grow. Why? Because the need for it is growing. There's so many people in our world today that need that intervention in their life. Thank God for a church that's got some people in it that are willing to be difference makers. In just a week or so, we're going to have a video. We're going to show you about the new college ministry that we have in USM. Brother Michael and Miss Evelyn are heading that up. We have a, an official uh, campus club on USM there where we get, have an opportunity to share the gospel each and every week there on campus. The, the um, university approved all of that. Now, folks, watch. There's people there that need to have a difference made in their life. What a privilege to be a part of a church that has the opportunity to go and do that. That's why we're here. You know, I'm thankful for all that we get to do on this property. But most of what we're called to is off of this property. If we remember, number one, making a difference is our calling. Let's hurry. I don't guess you got that one. You didn't seem too excited, so let's just keep going. Verse 22, and some having compassion, making a difference. Number one, making a difference is our calling. But that's a tall order, isn't it? You see, have you looked out at this world and seen the chaos we're living in? 
I mean, everything's chaotic. Right is wrong. Wrong is right. The world's been turned upside down. I don't feel like that we have the capability to stop this thing. Well, I hate to tell you, we do not have the capability of stopping this thing, but it's not about capability. Number two, making a difference is a matter of character. Making a difference is a matter of character. Now stick with me. If you look at what we're going through and the difference that needs to be made and you compare the problem to yourself, you're going to get discouraged. All right? It's David versus Goliath. We're looking out there and the difference that needs to be made is far beyond our capability. But wait a minute. It's not about capability that makes a difference. It's about the character. Now, what is character? I've told you a million times. Character is who we really are. My dad pounding that into me as a kid, not literally, okay? Don't turn him in for child abuse. He didn't really pound me. But I remember that truth being pounded into my heart, that character is who you really are. And character, as Moody says, is who you are in the dark when no one else is looking. Now, here's the problem. The reason the church has set silent and shaken is because we have forgotten who we are, all right? We have forgotten who we are. The reason that the Lord put on our heart this year to renew our character, it's time we get back to realize who we really are. You say, well, look, we are outnumbered. We're small. We are in the minority. No, 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 no. That's who the world says we are. In order for you to fulfill the will of God and make a difference in somebody's life, you can't live by who they say you are. You've got to live by who God says you are. And if you realize who God says you are, you'll have no problem going out there and making a difference. Why? Boy, he said in Matthew chapter 28, all power is given unto me. He says, hey, don't worry. Before I send you out there, I'll handle the capability part. I'll give you everything you need to go out there into the world and to be witnesses. Why did he tell them, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you? Here's what he's saying. I'll provide the capability. You don't worry about that. I'll give you everything you need if you just realize who you are. Now, folks, I fear tonight that we as the church have forgotten who we are. Going out there and making a difference is not about who you are. It's not about who they think you are. It's not about who the world says you are. It's about who God says you are. Now, who did God say we were? Well, Philippians chapter 2. Turn there with me, if you will. Philippians chapter 2. I want you to see it for yourself. Because some of you, I think you think I'm lying to you. Okay, Philippians chapter 2. Look down at verse 15. Let's see who God says we are. If you're going to make a difference, you need to know who you are. Or else you're going to believe who they say you are. Philippians chapter number 2, verse 15, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Do you know what the world wants you to think? That what we're doing here tonight and what we're going to do in our revival, and what you do when you knock on someone's door, the world wants you to think, verse 16, that you're laboring in vain. And if you listen to them, you're going to quit trying to make a difference because they told you it doesn't work. By the way, was it Eisenhower who says he learned not to take advice from his enemies? Be careful taking advice from people that are opposing you to begin with. The Bible says in verse number eight, uh, 15, that we are blameless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Now notice that. The Bible says, I'm here to shine as lights in the world. Do you know what light does? 
It makes a difference. Just a few weeks ago, was it a few months ago, the lights went out in here. And boy, it made a difference when the lights came back on, didn't it? We're looking at our world, we're looking at how dark it is, how frightening it is. We're looking at how dreary everything seems to be. Do you know what it needs? It needs a difference. It needs somebody to turn the light on. And oh, what a difference would be made in this world if we just got about being who God's called us to be. Who did he call us to be? He says, ye are the light. There's what's wonderful. The devil's going to try to tell you everything you're not. Does he do that to you? I think he waits outside my office door. As I make the, the, the journey from my office to that chair, he reminds me of everything that I'm not. You're not this, you're not that, you're not that. And boy, after a while, you want to start believing him, don't you? No, he tells me I'm ugly and he tells me I'm losing my hair. I kind of have to agree with him on that one. But he says a lot of things that contradict what God says I am. The Bible says I'm more than conquerors. But the Bible says. The Bible says that he's given all power for me to do his will. The Bible says that I'm a light. The Bible says that I'm salt. What did he say? Ye are light. Ye are salt. I'm so thankful he just put it down there on the bottom shelf and says, listen, you new disciples, never forget who you are. Because if you go out there in the world and you forget who you are, you'll start believing when they tell you what you are. They're going to tell you you're weak. They're going to tell you out there in the world you're incapable. They're going to tell you it's no good. Listen, you're wasting your time. But the Bible says my labor's not in vain. That's why we got to understand making a difference is a matter of character. And the character is not who I think I am. The character is who God says I am. You think about Daniel and the three Hebrew boys. I love the fact they were taken out of their country. They were taken out of their comfort zone. They were taken away from everything familiar. But the one thing they could not take from them was their character. Why? Because that's who they were. Everybody else is falling down and, and worshiping the image, and yet they maintained their character. And do you know what they did? They made a difference. They made a difference. Imagine if they would say, we're just four. We're just four. What's four against an entire nation? Oh, with the power of God, it's enough. It's enough. We're looking around tonight. We're looking at Hattiesburg, and we're looking at the country we're living in. Look, I saw some fruitcakes in Disney World. I think every state has sent some down there. They're everywhere. I've seen fruitcakes in Hattiesburg. I had some on the airplane. Oh, there was some on the airplane. But you know, you'd be a fruitcake too if somebody hadn't made a difference in your life. That's who God's called us to go to. It's not the righteous. What did Jesus say? The poor? The blind? The captive? That's who he's called us here to make a difference. You go out there and you say, well, well how, there's just too many of them. No, no, no. He took 12 and changed the world. Those four changed an entire nation. Now, folks, I wonder what God could do with us tonight if we went out there to make a difference in his character rather than ours. Number two, making a difference is a matter of character. One of the games we play, probably one of the toughest games, I think was it, well, I'm not going to call their name. I don't want to talk bad about them, but uh, one of the games we played, the blue team, we'll just call them that, on that night game, it was an epic battle. It was like a volleyball war. Uh, I mean, it was tense. The dads were sitting in the stand. We ended up getting up and walking and pacing the floor. It was so intense. And then 
the, the, the same girls' volleyball team, their boys were playing soccer. They finished a soccer game, and they came and sat in the stands. And they started booing and jeering our girls. And they weren't terribly mean, but they definitely weren't Christ-like. We'll put it that way. Thank God for Miss April. She took care of them. Miss Angel wasn't there, so Miss April stepped up, and she took care of them. We're sitting there, and our girls are playing. It's, it's back and forth. They won one. We won one. We're about to go to the tiebreaker game to 15. And it's just, I mean, just balls bouncing off people's heads. And it was just, it was wonderful to watch. Our girls got down. Man, you thought, well, this is it. This is it, you know. They just, they've done well. I just don't know if they can pull out of this hole that they're in. I mean, we, didn't, we, we had some families there. But they had an entire fan base of guys that were there. I mean, we were outnumbered in the fan section. They were just cheering, coughing while our girls were serving. It was just, it was a battle. And they just kept working. And they kept working. And they kept working. And they decided they weren't going to listen to all the noise. And they pulled off a win. And you'd have thought it was the Super Bowl for us dads. I'm sure the moms too, but I can tell you how dad felt. It wasn't even the final round. It was kind of a semi-final round. But watch this. They had to tune out all the noise. All the noise was saying you can't. All the noise was saying you won't. I mean, they had girls out there taller than me or as tall as me and more muscular than me. I know that's hard to believe, but they did. They really did. I'm not sure. Maybe when the girl I flew with on the plane I talked about this morning. I mean, it was tough. And they won. Do you know why? They tuned out the noise. When we go out to do the will of God, God left us here. He called us to make a difference. It's a matter of character. The world's going to jeer and cheer and tell you everything you're not. That little red devil's going to sit on your shoulder and he's going to tell you how you're incapable and how you're weak and how you can't handle it. And you've got to choose not to listen to the noise and rather rely on the character of who God says you are. Ye are salt. Ye are like, I went up to Anna uh, in one of the games. I can't remember which one it was. I went up to Anna. And I says, here we are, one of the smallest schools or one of the smallest groups. They're youngest team. We're playing seniors. I mean, some five, six seniors on their team. And we have ninth, tenth graders for the most part. And boy, you could tell we were one of the smaller groups that were there. And I went up to Anna and I says, look, you guys have won four out of five games. You've proven you belong here. And man, all of a sudden, music started playing in the background. It was like one of those hype speeches you see on TV, you know. I kind of felt my blood begin to pump. I wanted to play volleyball after that. Can I tell you something? I don't care what the world says. We belong here. Why? Because we're called here to make a difference. And the only way you're going to renew your calling to make a difference is to rely on the character of who God says you are. So number one, it's a calling. Number two... It's a matter of character, but let's look at it one more time. Jude 22, the Bible says, some have compassion, making a difference. Look at verse 23. I'll give you this, and I'm going to let you go. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now, we see no doubt God's called us to make a difference. God's given us the capability to make a difference, but one of the most crucial steps really falls to us. Now, notice the Bible says making a difference. Differences have to be made. They're not going to come prepackaged. People aren't just going to walk up to you and ask you to make a difference in, your, in their life. You're going to have to go out and make 
a difference. Now, this is where the third part of our theme comes in. Number three, making a difference requires a commitment. Making a difference requires a commitment. You look at this two verses, verse 22 and verse 23. You see two types of differences that are made. The first difference says, and some have compassion making a difference. And verse 23 says, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. So look at the first one, if you will, in verse 22, and some having compassion. Now, compassion, you make a difference in somebody's life with compassion. It's when you go and you place yourself between them and what's going to cause them harm. I can't help but think about Nehemiah tonight where uh, their Jerusalem sits in ruins and the walls have been destroyed. And they're there at the mercy of any group that wants to come in and raid them and persecute them uh, and carry them away captive. They're just there at the mercy. And what does Nehemiah do? Nehemiah hears about it all the way from Shushan the palace. And he says, you know, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to make a difference. You know what that was? That was compassion. He says, hey, God's called me to make a difference and I'm going to go and I'm going to build a wall between those people and the problems that are coming their way. Now, folks, that's what God's called us to do. But it requires a commitment. I mean, folks, look, for us to go out there into this lost and dying world and to come between people that are either on their way to a devil's hell or come between Christians who are on their way to destroying their life, it requires a commitment. Why? Because a lot of times they don't want you to be there. Have you ever tried to help somebody that don't want help? Had a kid one time in our, our camp, and he wasn't drowning, but he thought he was. You ever been there? Okay, as soon as a drop of water touches their nose, <gasps> and they start panicking. And so they think they're drowning. They're not drowning. I jump in the water. I grab hold of him. I say, hey, I'm standing up. Put your feet down. <gasps> And he starts climbing on my head and pushing me under. Now look, I've read the Coast Guard books. He comes to the place where you just got to knock them out. I'm like, look, I'm trying to help you, but you're not letting me help you because you're clawing my face and my nose and you're climbing up on my head. I mean, I believe they wanted to perch right up here on the top of my head. It was hard to help them. That's why you better be committed you're not just going to go out there and find people that says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Would you show me a good church to go to and a good Sunday school class to get involved in? Because, hey, I'm sold out, ready to go. I rarely find those. Now, when I do, I love it, but it's been a while. Most of the people that the Lord's allowed me to make a difference in my life, I had to be committed to them. Sometimes people are needy. Sometimes we're needy. I'm, I'm glad Jesus came to the needy because I was needy and I was on my way to hell and Jesus had compassion and set his crown down and his robe aside, stepped down from the throne and he came and he stood between me and what I was headed to. He had compassion on me. That's what God's called us to do. But you know, oh, did Jesus have to be committed? Oh yeah, look what he went through. Too often we come and we try, and that's enough. But just being content with trying is not going to make a difference in people's lives. The Bible says we've got to have compassion. Go place ourselves between them. That's what Esther did. But look at the second one, and we're done. Verse 23 says, and others save with what? Fear. Pulling them out of the fire. Now, this one's a little different. Compassion is when we go and we stand between them that are headed towards death or destruction. 
The ones that are saving from fear are much like the parable of the lost sheep. Do you remember that? That one lost sheep had run away. And who knows what's going to happen to that sheep. Sheep are vulnerable little critters. I mean, they don't have claws or sharp teeth. They're just pretty much vulnerable dinners for anything that comes along and wants to eat them. And what did the shepherd do? The shepherd got to thinking, you know, him out there by himself, something's going to get him, something's going to hurt him, and he chased him down. He chased him down. Isn't that what Christ did for us? Chased us down. He sought me out. He called me. He told me that he wanted to save me. Me? Yeah, you're calling me? Yeah. Now, folks, look, if we're going to make a difference, we've got to learn how to have compassion and go stand between them. But then sometimes you better be willing to go chase somebody down. Why? Because verse 23 says, and others save with fear. What does that mean? That means you hate to see what's coming. And you're motivated by the end that's coming their way. Therefore, it requires a commitment. So what's the message? The message is very simple. We're winding down our our year. We'll be here in December before you know it. If there's anything we've got to get as a church, is we've got to renew God's calling upon our lives to make a difference in the area God's called us here. I'm thankful for our bus ministry and our RU ministry and our college ministry and our, all the ministries we have, our Sunday school and our Jolly Keens. But folks, there's a lot more difference that needs to be made. But God works through people. What does that verse say? And some, those are people. Verse 23, and others, those are people. Could I encourage you to do this tonight as we close? Our world is in def- desperate need of difference. Somebody has got to make a difference in the world we're living in, just like somebody made a difference in the world you lived in. And those somebodies are us. But we've got to realize in order to renew that desire, we've got to realize this is what we're called to do. God left us here to make a difference. It requires character, not ours, not ours. The character that God says we are. We are salt, we are light, we have the character to do it. But it's going to require a commitment. To decide tonight, you know what? No matter what, I'm going, to, I'm going to stand between those that are condemned. I'm going to chase somebody down and make a difference in their life. Why? Because somebody chased me down and made a difference in mine. Amen. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. No one's looking around.